This is the Horse Radio Network. This is episode 212 of the Stable Scoop Radio Show. Driving Shorty. Please support our sponsors as they make this show possible. Our terrific sponsors today are Equestrian Collections, Draper Therapies, Fleece Works, and Kentucky Performance Products. Find links to all of these terrific companies at StableScoop.com. Welcome to the Stable Scoop, where weekly shows delivered right to you. With Helena and Glenn the Geek, live from the stable, it's every week. They'll bring you the news through hell, hot water, while using their tails as their own fly swatters. So sit on down and laugh till your poop, cause it's time again for Stable Scoop. Stable Scoop. Stable Scoop. We got fleece works. <laughs> I love them. Should I leave that part in? Sure. <laughs> this is Glenn the Geek. And this is Helena B. And you're listening to the Stable Scoop Radio Show on the Horse Radio Network. That's funny. <laughs> I do, well, yeah, that's new. You can't go surprising me like that. Or maybe you can, at least if it's with fleece works, you can. I do. I love them. Love them. Well, we're always set up across from fleece works when we're at, uh, when we're at Ada. So we, we always get to go over and play with the, the nice fleece stuff. And do you, put, do you rub it on your cheeks? I know you do because it's so soft. I do, I do, I do. Hey, we have a good show planned for everybody today. Let's uh, talk about who we have coming up. We have a listener on the show today who dropped us a note and said she heard one of our shows and she took our advice and we're going to see how that worked out. Oh, poor <laughs> so. woman. She's probably calling in to complain. <laughs> and then we have Janice Tara on a little later in the show. She is the lady horse whisperer out of Texas. We're going to find out more about her and her celebrity client coming up uh, a little later on. But first, on your Facebook page, like yesterday, the day before, there's this... Now, you live in a town called Little Compton in Rhode Island. And yes. it's right along the beach. You have a couple yes. of nice beaches there. We do. And the Atlantic Ocean sits out there and just rumbles away all day. Well, I guess it threw up on your beach the other night, didn't it? <laughs> oh, my God. That's a great way to put it. Yeah, it did <laughs> throw up on our, our beach. Um, well, first of all, it's as the season winds down, uh, you, you, we don't get to the beach as much once school starts or whatever. So we're like, let's throw in one more beach night you know so we went down on friday night and um we're like we'll go for a twilight swim and i don't like to swim in the ocean at night because i just i have too active of an imagination you can't see the creepy crawlies (laughs) there's creepy crawlies there's something in there that's gonna come up and bite me in the tushy so anyway i was like well it's the last chance i'm gonna get to swim in the ocean at night or at twilight or whatever so let's just do it so i just I did it. I ran in. I dove in. The waves were pretty good, and it was just pitch black, and I was so creeped out. I, I literally had to force myself to stay in, and all the kids are in there, and they don't care, and I'm like, oh, my God, what's in the water? So we get out, and you know, um, the kids were barbecuing. They were grilling pepperoni. Don't ask me why. We hung out for a little <laughs> while. Yeah, cooked. Right. <laughs> pepperoni and marshmallows. Oh, so, that's a new kind of s'mores. <laughs> <laughs> so we 
finally, we get out, we wrap up the night, and I said to myself, you know what, I have not swam in the ocean at night for a really, really long time, and I remember why. It was just too creepy to, to be fun. So we go home, and the next day, I'm doing a little bit of work, and sure enough, on one of my news feeds pops up this picture of a bloodied great white shark. It made the national news. <laughs> Little Compton, Rhode Island. I'm like, what beach in Little Compton did this thing show up on? I, I was just there last night. Well, overnight, a 13-foot great white shark washed up on Goosewing Beach. I assume Compton. it was dead. It was dead, yes. It was dead, and it was big. Now, I didn't see it personally. I only saw photographs. But lots of my friends and, and Grace's friends, they all came back from the beach with pictures. I didn't want to go down to the beach to look at it because I don't like people that much. And, you know, <laughs> nothing like a dead great white shark that's going to attract people and more people to the beach. So I didn't go down there. But everybody's got a super clear close-up picture of this thing. And, and it was an ugly beast. Well, I don't think sharks are ugly It at was all. ugly. I it felt was pink and red and cool. Because it was bloodied. He was, uh, well, you know, it's part of the New England coastline. I didn't look that rocky. close at the picture, too, either. But they said they couldn't, they didn't see any obvious signs of trauma that were the cause of death. But because the animal was beat up in the rocks and stuff so much, that you know, there were so many abrasions and, and there was a lot of blood and whatever. Um, they couldn't tell exactly what killed it, which uh, is kind of a problem because... Um, I mean, maybe it's a, good, maybe it's not good. What's that called with a fish? Were they doing a necropsy? or? They did. They did one right out there on the beach because he was too heavy to remove from the beach. So they take, um, they take the fin. They, take, they do an analysis of the stomach contents. Um, one of the other major organs. So they take pieces of it, but they don't remove the whole. Oh, I'm glad bucket. I wasn't there for that part. <laughs> Again, that's not something that bothers me. That's science. This is marine science. What concerned me was the fact that the animal had died within less than 24 hours of being washed up on shore. So it was. And you were swimming there? No kidding. (laughs) At night. And that's like the time they tell you do not go swimming because they really can't tell the difference between a seal and and a human. Now, uh, you know what? I'm not a freak about swimming in the ocean with sharks. I'm not out there 100 yards offshore, I'm not swimming with seals. I understand, you know, you look at the numbers and the the percentage of actual shark attacks on humans are so small compared to the number of sharks that are in the water. So I'm not typically uh, paranoid about that. But if, in fact, it was a larger shark that killed this one, <laughs> that that kind of creeped me out a little bit. Now, Chances yeah, because- are, though, it got caught in like a fisherman's net or, yeah. you know, it, it got the caught in some probably. kind of commercial equipment. Not too far offshore is what I'm thinking. So now these, uh, they had found, they had a couple over the summer. We've had a number of sh- uh, shark sightings off of Massachusetts. Cape Cod, yeah. Yep, off of Cape yeah. Cod. So you're not actually, as crow flies, you're not too far from there. Um, no, not at all. We're very, in fact, we are, um, you can see from our, from our beach, from Goosewing Beach, you can see Cuddyhunk, which, Cuddyhunk Island, which is um, the, one of the southern, islands right off of the Cape that's part of like Martha's Vineyard and Nantucket, what they, what they call Cape Cod and the islands. So it's all the general area. However, we really don't have um, a significant seal population along our coastline. Ours is a little bit rough since Cape Cod is what, what's called a terminal moraine. It's got a lot bigger sandbar, and so there, it's more seal friendly. So obviously that's what sharks like to eat. Um, and so there's, there's lots of 
there's sharks in the waters. That's where they live. <laughs> you know? <laughs> and they it's eat still seal. creepy. Um, so anyway, we don't typically have a lot of sharks in our waters. But yes, Cape Cod does because Cape Cod has seals. It's still kind of creepy. I'm sorry that knowing that you were swimming there the night before and that thing washes up on the beach the next day. Yeah, it's but it's not the actual shark. It's the unknown. It's yeah. the dark unknown. It's like what creature killed the shark? Yeah. And how big yeah. is that thing? <laughs> yeah, I mean, this one was big, 13 feet. That's, that's big. big. Yeah. So that's my excitement. <laughs> For the week. And you're done swimming for this year. That's it. I'm done. <laughs> no, I'll probably go in again. I don't okay. mind going in. Now. All right. It's not going to happen again. What are the, it's like getting struck by lightning twice. What are we going to have? Two sharks wash up? <laughs> well, as long as they're washing up dead, you're fine. They can't do much to you that way. Well, you know what's funny is our, our good friend, Rochelle Stiebler, who is oh, yeah, now yeah, a veterinary yeah. student. All that stuff. She, well, she had posted on when I first put that, you know, I wrote that swimming in the ocean at night is as creepy as you think it is. I'd put that on my Facebook page. And, of course, she comments, dun, 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 dun. <laughs> and I, I just it was kind of ironic that the next day a shark washes up. So there, Rochelle. Uh, between your sharks washing up on the beach and we got all our, our horsey friends down in Wellington who have alligators and snakes in their yards from all the flooding, uh, it's, a, it's a bad nature week here. It's, it's an active nature week. Yes, active <laughs> Uh, yeah, I wouldn't want to. I wouldn't want that alligator that Tammy Hogue posted a picture of in her barnyard in my your barnyard. Let me tell you. No way. And you know what? <laughs> you we've have plenty. Had, we've you had, have plenty. Uh, you have snakes. Yeah, we rattlesnakes. We've had four rattlesnakes now in the last two weeks that were actually uh, caught or killed in the neighborhood here. For big ones, five six footers, and nobody has ever seen that many rattlesnakes in this neighborhood. And people have lived here for twenty years, and they they think it's because we've had so much rain this year that uh, the rattlesnakes have come out. And we just have never had that many before, apparently. So hmm. it's been, so now, now at night, same thing. When I'm walking the dog at night, I got my great big flashlight out. And I'm like scanning <laughs> the territory. And Jennifer's like, snakes don't come out at night. I just said, I don't want to run across where he's sleeping either. Well, Thank what are you, you going to do if you do come across one with a flashlight? I go the other way. <laughs> That's what I'm going to do. You know, our dog, Glory, would go up and sniff and get bit. She doesn't care. <laughs> Go so. the other way. I have this like picture of you or this image of you fast like, going through. No, like walking around the neighborhood with a with a flashlight and a shotgun. <laughs> That's right. I'm not going to be killing it either. That's not my job. Somebody else can yeah. do that part. Okay. Okay. Yeah. And you know they're pretty good around this neighborhood too. And I got a PETA calling me. They're pretty good in this neighborhood <laughs> about not not taking care of the non-poisonous snakes, you know, they'll let them go, black snakes. We had a race, black racer snake that lived on our front porch for a month before yeah. he got devoured by the air conditioning unit. But, Whoa. Whoa. Wait a minute. Hold on a second. Did you miss Who's that the, story? No, I, I remember it now. Okay. I just, the, the image of it getting stuck in the air conditioning unit, I had put somewhere away in yeah, my brain. by the way, the air conditioning unit won. But, um, so, yeah, but I mean, I can, you know, poisonous snakes, when you have all of the animals that we do in this neighborhood and the children and everything, yeah, especially, you know, six foot, you know, rattlesnakes, diamond, diamond head rattlesnakes. Eh, not real good. I, I, yeah, I, I briefly considered Florida and now I'm, I'm good. <laughs> She's I'm good. good. <laughs> you got eight foot sharks. What do you want? I know, eight foot, 13. <laughs> Do not diminish the size of that beast. <laughs> and he was ugly, too. Well, uh, let's get on with horse talk here today. Uh, we're, we're, our first guest is a, a listener, and we're going to get to her right after this word that we have coming up from Draper Therapies. 
And but she she wrote to us and she said, I heard one of your shows. And I've been listening to you for a long time. And by the way, you're her favorite, and and you couldn't make the interview. I know. Doing it last night because she works, and you were busy, and you couldn't be there. And and she was so disappointed, Helena, because she likes you the best of all the hosts. She but could you care know, less about me. I, Leslie, I am I am a certifiable mess. I tell Glenn if it's not booked at the regular schedule, if if it's not in my production time slot. I still don't know how to work my smartphone yet to, to sync up new events outside of She just of got life. a smartphone. That tells you I, something. I, I, yeah. And then, like, I don't know, at like 9 o'clock, I get a text from Glenn. Are you recording? I'm like, what? Oh, God. No. Crap. <laughs> so I'm sorry, Leslie. There was, there's no excuse other than I, I am chaos. Yes. I'm, I'm a chaos yes. in, in britches. Yes, that's her. But uh, so we had a nice chat with Leslie about about what she did as a result of our show, and we're going to find out whether she had a good time or not. And let's just say it involves a it involves driving shorty. So the regular listeners to the show might remember that. Hi, everybody. Glenn the Geek here from the Horse Radio Network, and I am here with Kat from Draper Therapies with the Draper Therapies Product of the Week. What are we talking about this week, Kat? Well, this week we're actually going to be talking about two products, so it's kind of products of the week. And we're going to be talking about our eye pillow and shoulder wrap that we have available. And both of them are filled with flaxseed. So with the Draper Therapies products, normally you're getting an increase in circulation and health benefits, you know, that help you sleep better and all sorts of other great things, help you get rid of pain. But these products in particular, because they have the flaxseed in them, can either be thrown into the freezer or the microwave for added therapeutic benefits. So the unscented ones are usually ones we recommend to go into the microwave because otherwise our uh, lavender burns and doesn't smell so good and you know, you don't want that smell in your house, but <laughs> which is the bad thing. But if you go with the unscented version, you'll actually find that when you put it in the microwave, you can put it on different parts of your body that might be ailing you, especially if you've got a tight shoulders and tight neck and heat is the best recommendation for, you know, helping you feel a little bit better. These products work twofold. So you get the therapy plus you get the heat in that. Or if you throw them in the freezer, then you can throw them just about anywhere. And if you've got maybe an injury or something that just, you know, feels a little funky after a day of riding, you can put them right on there. And I've actually had a lot of customers using the eye pillows as almost um, like boo-boo packs for your little kids. So you, you know, keep them in the freezer all the time. And then when something, you know, came up or a little, you know, scratch happened, you could just throw that right on top of it. So both of these items are very affordable. They're you know either $15 for the eye pillar or $25, and you do save when you buy them in pairs. They're great gift items, and they're just great all around to have. And, of course, you can find them all at drapertherapies.com. And, and for these particular products, you would want to look under the category of body therapy. Well, thank you very much. It's drapertherapies.com. Well, hi, Leslie, and welcome to the Stable Scoop Show. Hi, Glenn. I'm glad to be here. Well, now, you said before we started recording that you feel like you really know us because you've been listening uh, for, what, almost three years now. Yep, pretty much. Well, but we don't know anything about you. So before we get into the story of your trip that you took as a result of one of our shows, tell us a little bit about you and, and your horse experience. Well, my horse experience hasn't been going on all that long. And like a lot of the listeners, I did not grow up with horses. 
I was one of those people that used to beg and beg and beg my parents for a pony, and we can keep him in the garage, Dad, you know, and all of that. But no, that didn't work. So I had to wait until I was 50 years old to get a horse of my own. So like a lot of older starters, I do not jump. I'm too weenie to jump. <laughs> I, I ride dressage, and I belong to the Fort Worth Dressage Club. Actually, I joined the they club before I got They have one of those in forth. Texas? What's that? They have a dressage club in Texas? Is it the yes, only one, Leslie? several dressage oh, okay. clubs in Texas, in fact. <laughs> yeah. It's amazing. It is a little bit hard, though, to find trainers and all of that. If you want to do cutting horse or any of, you know, any of the Western things, you, you can find them a dime a dozen. But to find a dressage trainer wasn't so easy. When we lost our old trainer, five of us had to go find another barn, and some of the girls drive 75 miles one way. Wow to the barn because we wanted, you know, specific things. We needed the individual turnout and we needed a trainer on site and that kind of thing. So, yeah, it's not, it's challenging, but, oh gosh, I love it. I really do. I have a um, half Belgian, half quarter horse named Tiny, <laughs> which is why that led which me he into isn't. the thing. <laughs> no, he is not. No, he weighed about 1,600 pounds when I got him. He probably weighs a little less than that now because he wasn't in regular work, but he is only 16 hands high. Oh, wow. So, yeah, he is a not stocky fellow. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but, you know, he loves to do dressage. It, he finally found his calling in life. He's 13, and I've had him for two years. And prior to that, he was what is known as a husband horse. Uh-huh. And I know you My know what that is. My kind of horse. Yeah, exactly. My kind of horse. Yeah. Yeah, because he is just the sweetest thing, and they used him at the stable he was at to take people that had never ridden before on trail rides. And I had had an unfortunate accident, and so I was terrified. And so when my trainer saw him and tested him, she rode him in an arena where they were tearing down jumps and throwing the parts on trailers to take them out. Uh -huh. And she said he didn't even bat an eyelash. You know, so so anyway, so I ended up with him, and he treats me like I am fine porcelain. He he is just the best guy, and he loves dressage. So anyway, that's how I got into horses, and and I love it. You know, any day I get to go to the barn is heaven to me. Well, now you you said uh, you you thought you might have been in the minority because you started at a later age, but actually, that is the fastest growing. Uh, horse population right now is women coming in to horses in their 40s after the kids are out and they get back into horses or they start in horses for the first time is one of the fastest growing groups yeah it's it is great i have to tell you something that my husband says it's a little bit un pc but he says if sport if racing is the sport of kings then dressage is the sport of middle-aged white women <laughs> Yeah, you know, which is that, you know very NPC, but it but it is probably probably true. You know. Did you know I started a Facebook page for uh, for your for your husband? Um, no. It's called Horse Husbands Unite. I finally did it after all this time. And I'll have so to tell him. <laughs> we have our own little man cave on Facebook where us horse husbands can hang out and 
and uh, bitch and whine. So oh, yeah. you'll have to tell him to join Horse Husbands United. He can come in there. Some, I will some, have to tell him. Some yeah, fun conversations. <laughs> he always says, you cheated me. You didn't tell me about this horse obsession when we got married, which is true. I didn't because it had been dormant for a long time until the 2004 Olympics. And I'll then see. it came back. <laughs> He's got a point because, you know, I married into it. Most of us marry into it and we know what we're getting. And then it's our fault if we're surprised later. But uh, you caught him off guard. So he does have a point there. He does. I, have, I, I will admit. And he has been a good sport. You know, he used to say that I would get my own horse over his dead body. And then the other day I actually <laughs> caught him saying, now the next horse you get has to be you know, something. I can't remember what it was because my ears went deaf after I heard the phrase, the next horse you get. You know, it's like, who are you and what did you do to my husband? <laughs> you know, so. But. You know, I'd like to say that's because we can grow, but it's mostly because we just give up. Well, yeah, yeah. that's true. Yeah. He, he says that whenever he's around all of us, all he ever hears is blah, 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 horse. Yeah, blah, exactly. blah, blah, horse. <laughs> that's exactly right. <laughs> You well, know, now, just... <laughs> now, okay, so we determined that you're a dressage, uh, you're a dressage rider in Texas who rides a very large horse named Tiny. That um, is true. <laughs> so, so right there puts you in a bunch of minorities. But, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But you do listen to our show, which is a good thing. And you heard one of our shows. As a matter of fact, you listened to episode number 153, which we did July 22nd of 2011, called Welcome to Mackinac Island, No Cars Allowed. And we did this as a result of Chris, uh, our uh, past co-host that we had here on the Horse Radio Network, who, who actually did, went to Mackinac Island and called us on the live morning show while doing a drive around the island with, uh, with a horse named Shorty. She was driving this horse because you could rent carriages and drive horses around the island. And then you heard all that, and you, you, as a result of that, you decided to take a trip, huh? That is true. Yeah, we were talking about where we were going to go on vacation this year. And as you probably remember, last summer was just a scorcher. And so we said, wherever we go, it's going to be someplace north and cooler than here. And so I remembered that podcast. And I thought, well, you know, that's always been kind of on our list of places to go. So I said, well, what about Mackinac Island? And we called our friends that live in Cincinnati, and we said, well, what about this for a vacation? And they said, sure, we're fine, we're game. So we booked our reservations, and we went for 10 days, and it was wonderful. You spent 10 days on Mackinac Island? Did, yes. Oh, wow, I didn't know you could spend 10 days on Mackinac Island. Well, you may run a little bit short of things to do, but we were doing a real laid-back, you know, we did a lot of reading, and in the evening we played games and, you know, things like that. We weren't, we are not particularly energetic vacationers. Well, let's remind everybody, Mackinac Island is in Michigan. It's it's an island in the middle of the lake there. Correct, it's in Lake Huron. And um, there's no cars allowed. It's, it's pretty much just horses. Uh, they have bikes, right? They have lots of bikes. Yeah, I thought so. Many. Have, but no cars. <laughs> no cars. Nope. They have little, they have um, the people that need motorized scooters, but everything else is horses, bikes, and foot traffic, except for emergency vehicles. I believe they do actually have like a fire truck and a, 
and an ambulance, but everything else, including freight delivery and trash pickup and everything else is done drayage or strong. And what was that like for you? It was wonderful. I loved it because it's quiet. The air smelled good. If you were walking down by the shore, you could smell sweet grass, which I love and we don't really have around here. And um, when you're in town, of course, you get Eau de Equine, which is <laughs> my favorite perfume, but not so much the other folks because they thought that it was kind of smelly, if you can imagine. <laughs> they, have, they don't clean stalls on a regular basis, do they? Uh, uh, no, no, <laughs> no they, they don't. In fact, I don't think any of them have ever, you know, cleaned a stall or anything. My <laughs> husband did bring my horse in from the pasture one time, but he didn't actually attach the halter. He just sort of had it draped over his head. So <laughs> bless, his, <laughs> bless his heart, at least Tiny knew where he was going. So, you know, but yeah, they kept going, ooh, what is that smell? And I said, well, it's just, it's, natural emissions. That's right. Well, you can imagine what it smelled like back before cars when it was just nothing but horses and lots of them in the cities and towns. Oh, yeah. And, of course, no sewers either. So, yeah. yeah that's true. It, yeah. But um, the only place that you were really all that aware of it was there are two main streets in this town. There's Main Street, of course, and Market Street. And that's where the preponderance of the hotels and the restaurants and the shops and everything. And so there's, that's where everybody tends to be. And the tourist carriages ah. go there and the, the freight carriages and stuff. Now, when you rent a carriage to drive, you can't go downtown. For, they don't trust you. <laughs> well, for very good reasons. Yes. <laughs> you know, as I as I found out eventually, when we did go, we did it on our second to the last day. I finally screwed up my courage to the sticking point and said, "Okay, all right, I guess I can do this." You know, because I had seen lots of people driving. Now, did we you walked. go to Jack's livery? He's the guy we yes. had on. Yep. Yes. Yeah, because Jack's. We saw Cindy's. We walked by Cindy's riding stable every day several times. Um, but Jack's is a little bit farther out. But, yeah, we went to Jack's, and we rented a four-person carriage. And they were going, well, let's see, who will we give you? We could give you Shorty. And I just went, yes, yes, I want Shorty because I heard about him. <laughs> <laughs> and so I got Shorty. Turns out that he's a Belgian halflinger cross. So he's very similar to my Tiny. In fact, I think I called him Tiny a couple times because he looks like him. But um, And his temperament, his personality was a lot like Tiny. He was sensitive, but he listened. You know, he had his little ears cranked back to me because I was talking to him and and everything. And, and what's different there is they actually allow you to... They don't drive you around. You drive yourself. And it's correct. one of the very few yeah. places that... You can actually rent a carriage and a horse and drive yourself, whether you know what you're doing or not. Right, because you can't really get into any trouble because the horses know where they're going. There's kind of one loop that they do, and they know exactly where they're going. In fact, after one of the things happened, I wanted to stop and check on Shorty, but he knew he was supposed to be going, and this wasn't where he was supposed to stop, so he wouldn't stop for me. <laughs> he just kept going. Now, I assume you could not get Shorty up to a trot. 
Yes, I did. Oh, yeah. really? Yeah. Yeah, they said, you know, when they check out the carriage to you, they say, now only trot on flat, which down around the um, lakeshore is flat. The interior of the island has some rolling hills, so they don't want you to trot there. And, of course, they give you the talk about, you know, if you trot them, then you have to walk them at least twice as much. Right. Well, it was a warm day, and I didn't, you know, I didn't think he really needed to work that hard. So I did let him trot a little bit, but then I, I brought him back to a walk. But, no, he's, like, tiny. You know, you just cluck to him, and off he goes until you tell him not to. So now, did all four of you go out? We did. Yeah. Now, and you were the driver? I was the driver. Was this your first time driving? Yes. And what'd you think? It, it's remarkably like riding. It, as far as um, without you know, the holding. uncomfortable saddle part, I might throw in there. Well, yes, and without <laughs> worrying that you're going to fall off, particularly, right. you know, there, there is that, you know, and and but um, that's coming yeah, from a driver I, here. <laughs> I really did like it, and and my husband keeps teasing that he's going to make a trap for me so I can drive tiny. Tiny yeah. probably would drive. He sounds like the kind of horse that would probably enjoy that. Oh, he probably would, yeah. yeah. Yeah, in fact, our instructor said he wished he had a cart so he could teach all of us to drive our horses because in Holland, where he's from, all their horses did everything. That's, that is true. They, they drive almost everything over there. Now, did yeah. you have any trouble, or, or was everything okay, or did you get, have any well, issues? Things were mostly okay, and they were certainly okay as far as from our point of view and, and tiny, a tiny, short, you see, there I go again, shorty. <laughs> but I really had the sense that a lot of people there had never actually had anything to do with a living, breathing horse. That's probably true. They're all tourists that have just come in. and yeah. Right, and lots of kids, lots and lots of kids, because I guess they figure it's a good place to come since there's no traffic to worry about. And everybody, most everybody was on bikes, from tiny little kids to adults, and they had tandem bikes and, you know, regular bikes and things and you, that you could rent. Well, we were going along, and, of course, you do just like, you know, you drive on the right side of the road, just like you're supposed to in all of this. And I didn't realize, it seems kind of silly thinking about it now, but I didn't realize that you really can't see in front of your horse. You can see to the sides, and you can see kind of far in the front, but you can't see the immediate front. Well, all of a sudden, tiny, just a tiny, see, I keep doing it, shorty, stopped and jumped straight up in the air kind of on all four feet and then stopped real suddenly and I thought what the heck and I realized there was a kid that was maybe seven or eight on a bicycle that had driven into the front of him just drove into the front of him boy and shorty did his job didn't he he did he stopped I mean just stopped dead and I thought Oh, for heaven's sake. And I don't know where the parents were because I didn't ever hear them say anything. And as far as I know, the kid just kind of bounced off and went on because by the time I realized what had happened, I mean, he was gone. But I told them about it at the livery stable when I took him back. And they said, oh, well, it's a good thing you had Shorty because if you'd had one of these other horses over here, they probably would have taken him off. I thought, oh, great. <laughs> but, you know, obviously 
people just don't realize that a 2,000-pound horse pulling a four-person carriage can't stop like a car. Now, did this carriage have, did it have brakes? It did not. It did not have brakes. I, I think no. they do that on, on purpose, actually. Um, yeah. Because they worry about, you know, people overusing the brake, too, which... Right. Which yeah, and the, the way it. his, yeah, the way his uh, harness was, which is, I guess, standard issue, is that when they're on level or go, pulling uphill, they pull it with their chest and shoulders, yep. and then when you're going downhill it rests on their hindquarters. That's right, yep. Yeah. And that's what's and actually stopping the carriage is, is that. Correct, yeah. yeah. And they had said that when they, you know, said, told me about it. They said, when you're going downhill, you'll need to shorten up the reins quite a bit because you'll see that the carriage will actually get closer. That's right. And, yep. you know, shorten, shorten up the reins, don't let them go slack, which I did, you know, which is basically the same as if you're riding. I've had yeah. some scary situations where uh, where the carriage and the horse were not stopping going down steep hills without the brakes. So oh, I've had no. those situations, too, where, and that's, that's kind of scary. Well, this was great that you got to do this. Now, did you stay at the big fancy hotel? Heavens, no. <laughs> now, I hear they even charge $10 to go in and see the lobby. They do. They do? Is that true? Yeah. I thought it was a rumor. No, no, they really do. And you can tell where they've changed the price because on the sign where it says how much... It's, you know, been boarded over and $10 written in, so I guess it <laughs> used to be cheaper or something. But you can walk around the gardens, which are beautiful. That is so funny. Yeah. They charge $10 to go see the lobby of the hotel. Yeah. Let's keep I, the riffraff like us out. Oh, I guess. I mean, <laughs> and if you do go there after 6, even if you are just walking around inside, you have gentlemen have to wear a coat and tie and women have to wear a dress. So did you did you rent a did you wear a bed and breakfast or were you at a hotel? No, we were at a regular hotel. It was called okay. the Murray Hotel, okay. and it was right there on the main street with a fudge shop in the lobby. Ugh. Never seen so much fudge Ugh. in your life. I mean, there must be I don't know every other shop's a fudge shop, <laughs> you know. And so you smell it as you walk by. They're wafting out the warm butter and sugar uh, so into you the just street. Get fat walking by. Yes. Yeah, pretty much. Pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> well, then, yeah. now did all the now you're the horse person, and I assume that the other three, well, your husband was there. Now the other couple were not horse people. They are not. No. And did everybody we, else have a good time too? Yeah. 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 Okay. We've dragged them into various horsey things before. They live in Cincinnati, so when we went to visit, I made them drive down to Louis, uh, to my old uh, stomping ground, Lexington. Yeah. Yeah, to see the horse park. And um, then when they came to visit us, I dragged them up to the barn to see Tiny. So, <laughs> you know. so yeah, they, they kind of, but they're, they're good sports about it. Well, I am so glad that you got to do this and that I'm really glad you had a good time because that would have stank if you'd gotten there and said oh, I no, heard it, about it on the Stable Scoop show and it sucked. But you I'm, have so, to do it. It's fun. <laughs> well, that's terrific. Really fun. Well, and I'm so glad that Shorty's still around. Shorty's uh, become kind of popular now, thanks to our shows. Yeah. Um, and now he's even more popular. So if you ever head out to Mackinac Island, which will be closing here in another month or two um, for the winter, they take all the horses off the island in big ferries, and uh, they put them on farms, and they, they basically give them the winter off, and they get to eat and get fat over the winter. And then uh, they come back and do it all again in the summertime or in the spring next year. Yeah, they work darn hard, too, so it's a good thing they do get the winter off. 
Well, I am so glad that you wrote to us and told us about this and that you had a wonderful time. The best of luck with Tiny and with, uh, with Texas Dressage. It's a little different down there. They don't wear helmets. They wear cowboy hats. Uh, yeah, no. No. <laughs> okay. Never get on a horse without a helmet. I know. I'm glad to hear that. Glad to hear that. Yeah. <laughs> well, thank you so much, Leslie. We really appreciate you being on. Thank you, and you need to come visit us sometime. We have lots of good food in Texas. I know. The Western Radio Show just did a whole show on, on this restaurant in Texas, and I was drooling the whole time. Yep. You got to come. It's I, great. I was drooling. What, what, I'm trying to remember. what I just listened to it today, and I was trying to remember what, oh, you know what it was? It was uh, Perini Ranch Steakhouse. And uh, it just sounded wonderful, and I was like, i got to go to Texas and just eat my way through Texas. Yeah. That sounds like a good idea. We'll even put you up. <laughs> well, you get tiny driving, so I can drive tiny when I'm there. Okay. All right. <laughs> sounds good. Thanks, Leslie. All right. Okay. So I missed a really great interview and apparently a great time on Mackinac Island. Idiot. We need to go. We need to go bad. We do need to go. <laughs> I want to drive you Shorty. <laughs> you, I know. I, I know. I want to ride Shorty. I was shocked when she said they spent 10 days there. It's like... Okay, we said to people to go for a long weekend. We didn't say 10 days. It's an island. It's a small island. What do you do after 10 days on, on Mackinac Island? But they had a good time. A whole a lot nice of nothing. Week. Yeah, well, that's what they did. And they had a nice, you, relaxing time doing nothing. So You would not be able to do nothing, would you? No, Could 10 you? days would drive me nuts. <laughs> and your wife would go crazy, too. I'd be driving Shorty every day. I'd have to get the <laughs> annual membership. You'd be driving Shorty across the lake. <laughs> be like, Shorty, we're going on the ferry. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> All right, introduce our ad. Our ad. Oh my gosh, I just found this out clearly by accident today that we now have Fleeceworks as a sponsor, and Fleeceworks is one of my all-time favorite favorite manufacturers. In fact, I have one of their um, original saddle pads that um, I had for Zeke because there was um, many moons ago when Zeke and I were hunting. He suffered from collagen bumps under the saddle areas. He's a sensitive chestnut, what can I say? And I switched to a Fleeceworks uh, sheepskin pad and all our troubles disappeared. Fleeceworks manufactures pure Australian merino sheepskin and merino wool saddle pads and accessories. Their pads produce a vital thermal balancing layer to pull excess moisture and heat away from the horse's back, allowing muscles to work at maximum capacity without overheating. Fleeceworks Australian merino wool is breathable, and hydrophilic, able to hold and store 35% of its own weight in liquid. A longtime staple of the medical field, Australian merino fibers have no equal when it comes to delivering a temperature-controlled, pressure-absorbing layer. The Fleeceworks philosophy, minimum bulk, maximum performance, and they have a variety of anatomically correct pads incorporating technologies and designs that address the individual needs of every horse and rider. Ask for Fleeceworks saddle pads and accessories by name at your local Tack and Feed store or visit them online at fleeceworks.com. Our next guest was set up actually by our producer, Jennifer. Uh, she, she was doing some searching, and you'll find out why and how she found Janice. But we have Janice Tara on with us. She's the Lady Horse Whisperer, has been training uh, horses and people for more than 30 years. Let's, let's hear what Janice has to say. Welcome, Janice, to the Stable Scoop Radio Show. It's really nice to have a chick on the show, <laughs> a horse whispering <laughs> chick. And I mean that in the most 
complimentary way. You are indeed a horse whisperer, which for all intents and purposes means that you are a horse trainer and you focus on training with primarily positive reinforcement. Um, Tell us a little bit about your personal style in training. Okay, my personal style in training, um, first off, I didn't know I was a horse whisperer until a book and movie came out. Prior to that, I was the strange lady down the street who had a way of getting them quiet. And then I got a title. But I, I always base my training <laughs> upon a, a quote from Johann Wolfgang von Goethe, who was an 18th century German philosopher, who stated that um, treat a man as he is and he will stay that way. Treat him as if he were what he could be and he will become what he could be. Oh, that's lovely. And this was my philosophy for training. I would get a horse and I would not see them as they were or how they behaved. I didn't, um, you know, correct what they were manifesting in behavior was not who they were. So instead of punishing behavior, I got to the root of the problem and figured out why they were behaving. And when you get rid of the why, it eradicates all the negative behaviors. And then you have a horse or animal or human that cooperates because they want to, not because they are forced to. And when they feel understood, just like humans, when they feel they are understood, they will go out of their way to please you. Hmm. And this is why I had so much success because I always saw them as more than what they were. When I would uh, ride a horse, when I would get a horse in, I would always pretend I was riding my very best horse. And in my mind, that is who was under me. And they would always become what I expected of them. So you're saying this started very early on? I mean, that's sort of just how... How you've always perceived horses is with that, what do I want this animal to be? Yes, that's how I always trained. And then when I lived up in Nagadoches, Texas, up in East Texas for a while, um, I didn't have a lot of money, but I loved, obviously, beautiful horses, and I could not afford to buy them. So I would go to the killer auction, which is where they sold horses by the pound back then, and they were going in the 80s for 50 cents a pound. So... Um, I would go there and get a horse that was beautiful but was there because they were out of control and nobody could handle them. And I would get them home and I would have to fix them without getting killed in the process because I'm not Cowboy Bob and can ride a bucking tornado. So I would have to figure out how to get through to them and how to get them to behave and turn them around. And uh, every one of them I, I bought and sold them because uh, that's, you know, what I did part of my living in addition to giving riding lessons, I'd buy them, train them, and resell them. And every one of them became gentle enough they were used as lesson horses prior to being sold. Every one of them turned into a lesson horse. Hmm. Did you have, um, did you have a, um, a mentor or, you know, where did you learn how to train horses to begin with? To begin with, when I was younger, I used to, uh, in my early 20s, you know, I read books and had an instructor. But as far as training the horses, no, I did not have a mentor. Um, it was all figuring out as I went along and learning from the horses what worked. I would read the horses. Um, I, I always had a good understanding of them, and I would read their body language and see what they were trying to tell me. And, no, I'm not psychic. Everybody thinks, you know, I'm, I'm psychic and a horse whisperer, and I'm not. 
I'm, I mean, I'm a horse whisperer, but I'm not psychic. And I would read their body language, and I had to figure out how to train them without getting hurt. And so the horses <laughs> That's kind are the of important. taught me. Yes, it is. <laughs> so, because uh, if I got hurt, I couldn't work anymore. So, um, I would get these out of control horses and have to figure out a way to get them to behave without getting hurt in the process. And this is what I learned. So, the horses are who taught me. I did not have a mentor. And like I said, I was considered the crazy lady down the street. I was even called the voodoo lady. I heard back somebody said, oh, next thing you know, she's going to be teaching them to fly. Because <laughs> <laughs> I got them quiet that other people couldn't. So what and, do you, what do you, uh, with um, the term horse whisperer, what does that mean to you? Because I think everybody has their own their own interpretation of what a quote-unquote horse whisperer is. And, you know, there's a lot of people that don't believe there are horse whispers or, you know, it's just a made-up term. So what does it mean to you? To me, it means someone who listens to horses. It, you know, we really should be called horse listeners versus horse whispers. The whisper comes in in that we're not using overt actions. You know, sometimes just simply like when, when working with wild horses, how you use your left hand is extremely important. If you approach a wild horse with your left hand hanging down, he wants to move away from you. But if you bring it up in a receptive um, manner, then the wild horses will let you approach much easier. So it's understanding how the simplest things affect them. So that's listening to the horse. That's observing and listening to the horse. And it's whispering in that we're not loud and throwing ropes and hitting them. It's it's very quiet. You have to really watch the nuances to see how we're communicating. And, and that's what we do. And so every horse whisperer is a horse trainer, but not every horse trainer is a horse whisperer. Because and, and we get through to the ones that don't do quite often the typical training. Now, the, the a lot of... Uh, trainers that Glenn and I have spoken to, this seems to be the consensus among trainers is that training the horse is the easy part. If you're willing to listen as you, as you do. Uh, But then training the people who go with those horses is a much more challenging uh, situation. Do you find that the people are just as challenging and, and do you, do you use the same methods on the, the people, the horse owners and your students as you do on the horses themselves? No, for them, she gets out the big whip. <laughs> you're you're right about that. Yeah, I'm right with the you. Humans, the humans are the slow ones to learn. I can turn I can turn a horse around in 15 minutes, but it takes me three or four hours to train the human. But I taught the horse. In would, I got news for that. you, Janice. It would take you a lot longer than that with me. It'd be yeah. months, <laughs> years. Two of us. My wife's be been trying for 25 years, back. Janice. It hasn't worked yet. Well, that, that, they're exactly right. The human is the problem. The horses primarily do not come with problems that were not created by humans. They, either the human didn't know what he was doing, he had ill-fitting equipment, so the situations were created by the humans, and the humans are the slow ones to learn. Horses learn much quicker than humans. I have much more patience with horses than I do with humans. Yeah. So all the other trainers, I totally agree with that. It's a human problem, not a horse problem. Um, in the horse world, um, less than 20% are sociopaths, which really are intractable. Um, you mean the humans the, or the horses? Now I'm confused. I'm sorry, what? You mean the humans or the horses less than 20% are sociopaths? I'm just too confused. Okay. Um, 
I did not say that clearly. In the human case, 20% of humans um, are sociopaths. Because I've studied a lot of psychology so that I could be a better writing instructor. And But with horses, we get less than 10% are sociopaths. And so hmm. the, the sociopaths do not respond well to horse whispering because they don't care. They don't respect. They don't respond to the same um, instructions. They don't have the same response mechanisms as uh, your standard horse. But that's only so. We have a ninety percent success rate with horse whispering, which is really so good. The chances are, whatever horse you're working with, you, you have a ninety percent chance of working with a horse who has potential. Yes, yes, ninety percent. You know, so like I tell people, you know, ninety percent chance that you know we can get them turned around. Now, the more difficult ones are going to be the horses that have two swirls on their forehead. Because if they have more than one swirl, we're dealing with um, multiple personalities. They have a good side and a bad side. Kind of like Gemini. Sorry to the Geminis out there. but they, Is they that a, have, is, that's a, a scientifically proven link? It's not or scientifically it, proven, but I've seen it way too many times. That's the first I've heard it. The 70% of the horses who have two or more swirls on their forehead... Um, are going to be really sweet one minute and not the next. And they can't control it. It's like somebody who's bipolar. And and this is proven, but there's going to be 30% with two swirls who are going to be better than average. And it, it's like, you know, both those personalities combined to the good side. And so they're more difficult to work with, and I get a lot of double swirled horses. And they just are, are wired differently in their brain. They are not always sociopaths. And you just, just like you do with um, a child that has ADD or, or autism, you recognize that his brain is wired differently, respect it and honor it. And what I always do is respect and honor the horse I'm working with and not expect him to live up to the expectations of, oh, how is a horse supposed to behave? You know, no, how does he behave? How does he think? And this is what a horse whisperer does. They get through deep to the inner brain of the horse. So you fix the brain. Once the brain is fixed, then you don't have to teach each individual behavior pattern and, you know, help better that behavior pattern towards more cooperation. They want to cooperate because we've gotten through to their psyche. And that's what a horse whisperer does. They get through to that. And then you can train them. Well, we're going to come right back after this message with Janice, and we're going to talk to her about a little celebrity work that she did. And, uh, and that's actually how Jennifer, our producer, found her in the first place. So we're going to talk about that in just a minute. We'll be right back. Hi, Glenn, back with you from the Horse Radio Network. I'm here with Debbie with the Equestrian Collection's Product of the Week. You know, I want to ask all of our listeners... Doesn't it just make you crazy when your spray bottle just doesn't work? It either leaks or it breaks and you're squishing that thing and nothing comes out and you can't get underneath your horse. Well, I have the perfect product. It's the Kelly Just Anyway Spray Bottle Nozzle. For less than $2 and a half, we send you this spray bottle nozzle. You can put it in any spray bottle, you know, of the normal size that you use for your, for your fly spray and stuff. And you can go underneath the horse. It works upside down. It works and it doesn't leak? It doesn't leak. 
And, you know, it doesn't break. These things, I am always throwing them out and getting new ones in. And these are really, really good. We completely, we use them here, and we just think they're great. Um, It's a nine-inch little hose there, but you can cut that off if you need, if you have a shorter bottle. So, you know, you can, it works in several other types of bottles. And for $2 and a half, it would make the perfect little gift for somebody at your barn that's having a birthday or, you know, for a stocking stuffer as the holidays approach. It's just, and they're in stock too. So get them while they're hot. Well, I, and it doesn't leak, right? <laughs> because that's the worst thing. You're in there spraying. You turn the bottle over to get the bottom of the horse, and it leaks all over your hands. And then you got to wash your hands. you got fly spray all over you. It, <laughs> it's just, you know, it's one of those things we all have to deal with as horse people that, that I didn't know there was a solution for. So now there's a solution for less than two and a half bucks. You might as well buy ten of them and replace all your bottles. Well, that's exactly right. And you can go on our website, www.equestriancollections.com, and just search for Just Anyway Spray Bottle, and it'll come right up for you. Terrific. Equestriancollections.com. Thanks, Glenn. Well, Janice, now we teased before the commercial that you had done a little celebrity work, and that wasn't necessarily, uh, uh, this wasn't a celebrity horse we're talking about, was it? No, it was not. It was a celebrity human, uh, one of my favorite actors of all time, Robert Downey Jr. And mm, you ended up uh, giving too. him riding lessons and stuff? Um, I can't divulge too okay. much because that's their personal business, and I, and I honor them and respect them because they are just, uh, for everyone out there, they are the most genuine caring, kind people, and brilliant, just brilliant people. And so I honor their privacy because I know that's something they lose as they become a celebrity. So I can't say a lot about what I did, but I did spend a week with them. And um, they are, uh, if you have any good thoughts of them, they are true. They are really wonderful, compassionate human beings. And they love animals, absolutely love animals. And they're really quick learners. They're both natural athletes. And they're both very, very smart. Oh, that's Ooh, great. Now I like them even more. I liked them before, but I like them even more. And, and you know, uh, just without even hearing details about them, the fact that they decided to work with you speaks volume about their um, their respect for animals, you know. Um, so, yes, yes, because they're, uh, yes, I can't divulge too much, but they, they, um, they want what's best for not just for them, but for the animals. And, uh well, that's no, I'm terrific. Because I'm trying to, you know, say something without saying. That's okay, much. and you know, that is refreshing because so many times you hear about the opposite. So, uh, you know, that is refreshing to hear. Oh, they treated me like a queen, and I didn't know if I'd be treated like a little underling or whatever, you know, because that's what kind of the stereotype we get. But no, they they treated me and all of their staff magnificently. Well, great. Well, that's super. And and now my wife's really drooling because. Uh, he's he's at the top of her list, you know. So, and it takes a lot to get Jennifer to drool. She is yes. not easily impressed by anything or anyone. Robert yeah. Downey Jr. It, Jr. is her wallpaper on her computer. It took her like she posted that on Facebook. I don't know, maybe about a month ago, or, or I don't know, three or four weeks ago, and. She said she had just watched Iron Man for the first time. And I, I was like, Jen, where have you been? <laughs> You're just figuring this out now? <laughs> better slow. late than never. Better late than never. <laughs> 
Well, yes, where, can, where can people learn more about you and find out more information about you? Uh, they can go to my website, uh, www.v, you have to put the word v in there, theladycoursewhisperer.com. And uh, you can email me at Janice Tara, J-A-N-I-C-E-T-E-R-R-A at gmail.com. Okay, so the website again is theladyhorsewhisperer.com, and you can find uh, all the information you want on that website. Thank you so much, Janice, for joining us today. We really appreciate you being here. Oh, thank you so much. I enjoyed this tremendously, and the best of luck to you guys. It's been great. Joint Armor from KPP provides your horse with the building blocks necessary to maintain healthy joints throughout his lifetime. Kentucky Performance Products Quality Assurance provides you with the confidence that you are purchasing a safe, high-quality product. Your satisfaction is guaranteed. Joint Armor is concentrated and affordable. One jar lasts a whole 75 days. Joint Armor helps maintain fluid motion and flexibility in your horse's joints. It also supports normal cartilage development and reduces joint deterioration. Learn more about Joint Armor from Kentucky Performance Products and all their other terrific products at kppusa.com. That's kppusa.com. If you're like Leslie earlier in the show, that you actually listened to one of our shows and did something that we uh, recommended, and if it came out well, drop us a note to Glenn at two ends at horseradionetwork.com. If it didn't come out well, drop a note to Helena at horseradionetwork.com. She'd love to hear you. See, from there you. it is again. There's that line. <laughs> he moved. I can take it. Go ahead. I can take it. I'll just take all of you with me. I'm going to have to contact the Mackinac Island people now and tell them that, you know, we had this listener who listened to our show and our interviews with them, and they really shouldn't be advertising with us. They They should. should. And you know who else? Oh, oh, my God. I can't believe we forgot about this. What? I have a new truck. You have a new truck? Oh, my God. I didn't even know about that. This is a major, major development in Helena B's life here. Well, first of all, it takes you forever to do anything because you have to research and research and then you do more research and then it's three years later and the models change and you have to start over. It's true. It's true. This one took me two years. So what should we talk about? Well, we can do that. We can do this now or we can wait until next week. Oh, let's talk. Let's tease tease people and wait till next week and find out. Was it a Ford? Was it a Chevy? Was it a Dodge? Or did you go foreign and get a Tundra? I don't even know. Now I want to know. You don't even know? No. You are such a horse husband. You're such a man. You see the women in cowboy hats and chaps, but you don't see my cover. Speaking of which, we didn't mention that on this show yet. What's wrong with us? I forget my truck. You forget your major milestone. I started a new Facebook page that I've been dying to do for years and finally did it. It's called Horse Husbands Unite. And it just started a couple days ago. And I already have 206 uh, people that jumped in there. And it's, it's, let's consider it, it's sort of like a horse husband's, uh, just a place to hang out. It's like our man cave. It's like our online man cave where you can go and chat with other horse husbands. We can post up pictures of beautiful women and, you know, make snarky comments. And, you know, all involving sort of around riding. Uh, I try and keep it at least sort of semi-riding. And then we also discuss serious topics. There are some horse husbands that have posted some serious things about how much they love their wives. And then I had this guy who posted uh, that, uh, you know, he was out playing golf and he came home and he took a picture of his wife working on the fence. And I said, I'd have never gotten away with that. Uh, So, you know. (laughs) So there's things like that, you know. We we just encourage anything horse husbandish. 
Um, and you know, Wade posted, I don't understand why some guys don't get it. Every man knows never to come between a woman and her dog. Horses are even worse. All you gents out there with horse girl girlfriends or spouses, get with the program. You don't want to know the answer to your ultimatum, so don't even ask. Pick up that fork and start mucking, and the world will be much better place for you. By the way, great sight. My horse girl's the best. Do you think that was really written by Wade, or do you really think that Wade's wife was on his account and wrote that? No comment. <laughs> <laughs> horse husbands unite like us on facebook or get your husband too we don't want you we want your husband <laughs> we so. don't want you <laughs> the guys play. this episode is going to get us into so much trouble <laughs> well we can't get fired i'm the boss so no but we could lose sponsors let's just do this you know let's just do this we are officially looking for sponsors because <laughs> <laughs> the ones we had today are going to be gone tomorrow right right <laughs> Oh, be sure to log in next Friday so we have another episode and we find out what kind of creation Helena is driving now. What did she buy after years of research? That should be next week's Tack and Habit. Your truck. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, gosh, yeah. Okay. Oh, good. I'm excited. I won't forget that. I promise. It's not a Dodge. I'm going to be mad, by the way. If it's not a Dodge, you're going to be mad? We're Dodge people here. You'll have to find out. You'll have to wait and find out. All right. For all the details on today's show, you want to find any of the links or of any of our guests or anything we talked about, go to StableScoop.com. And also, uh, many thanks to our sponsors. We have Equestrian Collections, Draper Therapies, Fleeceworks, and Kentucky Performance Products. A full boat today of sponsors, and we certainly appreciate their support of our craziness. It almost feels like we were drinking at lunch today. But we weren't. We should have been. Maybe then, <laughs> then maybe we'd put on a good show. How's that for an idea? <laughs> Thank I'm going to try Helena. it next week when I'm out there talking about my truck. Hey, I'm gonna be, what? go out and take a swim in the ocean tonight. Uh, I just might. You know what? It's very tropical today. Okay. Yeah, you do that. Well, now that we know the shark is out of the water, like <laughs> the I said, lightning one. striking twice. <laughs> Chances are I'm not going to get eaten Speaking by a shark. Speaking of tonight. which, did you see the video I posted of the guy getting stuff out of his trunk and then lightning <laughs> hits the tree next door and the tree flies over and hits his car and would have killed him if he'd been there two seconds before? No, no. Which, where did you post this? Oh, my God. It was unbelievable. It was the Texas. I follow uh, something called the Texas... By the way, it's a great thing. Texas Storm Chasers. And they post the coolest stuff, weather stuff. It's called Texas Storm Chasers on Facebook. And there's this video, and it's called Man Comes Within Seconds of Death as Lightning Rips Down Tree. So the car's parked in his driveway, and he must have had a security camera. Car's parked in his driveway, and you see him at a hatchback. He pulls up the hatchback. He gets stuff out of the back of the car, and he, it's storming. So he runs away towards the yard. And at that moment, lightning hits the big, huge tree beside his driveway and shatters it into a million pieces. And a huge trunk comes up and flies and hits the back of a car where he was just standing. Whoa. Yeah, there's a guy who wasn't supposed to die that day. No. Uh, and so that, and, and all the times I tell my wife, don't go outside in the thunderstorm. Don't stand on a tree in the thunderstorm. She's out there just playing around because he has to get the horse, blah, blah, blah. And I showed her this and I said, this is why I was so worried about it. This guy would have died. That piece of tree that hit there was pretty big. It was pretty big. I guess when you're supposed to go is when you're supposed to go. Then every other day is just another day. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. On that note, say goodbye, Helena. (laughs) Goodbye, everybody. Thank you for joining us on this wild ride. We'll be back next week with more.